We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 1 through 7. Here we have probably, uh, at least from my perspective, uh, one of the most profound passages in the New Testament. Uh, in other words, an era that reflects our context, ladies, in relationship to the influence of a mother and a grandmother. What I want to do tonight, or this morning, sorry, I'm usually preaching in the evenings. What I want to do this morning is I want to unpack for you uh, the incredible significance that a grandmother and a mother have on their sphere of influence. You know, we can extend this reality. Uh, Remember Jesus when he was initiating the church age? Uh, remember when his family uh, wanted to get to him and he was very busy healing a whole city. They were wanting to get to Jesus. They were demanding as his family to see him. And as the attendant came to Jesus and said, hey, look, you know, your family's outside and they're demanding to see you. And Jesus uh, lifted up his hands and his eyes and he looked upon those to whom he was ministering and he said, Behold, my mother, my brother, my sisters. So there's a reality that within this dispensation, the local church takes on uh, the aspects of family. In other words, it's the great equalizer. It's the great equalizer for you uh, if you are a mother. It's a great equalizer for you if you are a woman who is not a mother. Uh, you're, the church is a great equalizer for you who are older women, whether you have grandchildren or not. Titus 2. Uh, it's just a great equalizer. And so uh, the passage that's before us, we certainly are going to make application because it's the natural application of the text to mothers and grandmothers, but it really serves in this dispensation as uh, uh, an application to really womanhood. What, what does biblical womanhood look like within the context of the local New Testament church? So I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this passage. So let's read it together, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. Kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands." For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. 
I think I skipped a little six there because it's very important. <laughs> and for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh. And we'll make comment on that here in a minute. Our proposition tonight, gals, is a, or this morning. Sorry, that's gonna, you're just going to have to listen and hear morning. All right, I apologize for that. Uh, the proposition, or, or what I'm, I'm trying to demonstrate to you is this truth, is that sincere faith, when it is found in the memory of a mother or grandmother, is a powerful inducement for perseverance in children. Let me say that again. Sincere faith, when it is found in the memory of a mother, is a powerful inducement for perseverance in children. Moms are very unique in their ability to influence a generation. We've already demonstrated that just in sheer terms of the reality that everybody has a mom. Everybody is under the influence of a mother. That, that can either be good influence, that can be challenged influence, but I would argue at some point it has been a good influence. Given this expansive amount of potential influence, Paul venerates a single trait that believing moms must prioritize. That trait in our text is sincere faith. Lest we think that Paul is mandating sort of a performance-based perfection, that this is what he has in mind when he's thinking of faith, please know that nothing can be farther from the truth, gals. Sincere faith in the New Testament is the byproduct, and write this down, of a personal relationship with Jesus through habitual private prayer and study of the Word. Sincere faith is manifest in both spiritual success and failure. Sincere faith longs to live in patterns of obedience to the Word of God with dispositions that reflect the fruit of the Spirit. But I would argue that faith is equally sincere, gals, in sorrowful, repentant, and apologetic acknowledgement of sin in your life. Faith without that is insincere. I would argue that that, in fact, is the genius of a sincere faith. The New Testament is clear, personal relationship with Jesus, and please, ladies, hear this, not performance, products, or results are the hallmarks of a sincere faith. Sincere faith, when it is found in the memory of a mother, is a powerful inducement to perseverance in children. In fact, based on our passage, moms, there is no greater legacy that you can leave with your children than the legacy of sincere faith. What is so profound about this legacy is that it encourages your offspring right where you as a woman long to encourage them in their inner person. Men are interested in encouraging their offspring in areas of industry in their ability to throw a baseball properly and to throw a football correctly, to clean the garage appropriately. Thank you, Rick. (laughs) 
Moms may reflect some of those ideals and appreciate them. But their ideals go far deeper. They long to influence the child, their offspring, in their inner person. They're the ones that are concerned when Johnny or Susie are upset. When they feel bad. When they are having a hard time emotionally. Moms care about that. And I'm not saying dads don't. Uh, dads do as well. They have a hard time apprehending or knowing how to navigate there. Uh, so, ladies, the legacy of a sincere faith, if you get a hold of this, this fits the bill. This is what you want. Okay? Are you with me? Amen. This is it. This hits the nail right on the head. And I want us to see that. The issue in young Timothy, as we read our passage, was a potential to flag in his loyalty to Paul, to flag in his loyalty to the gospel. Look at verse number 8. What's at stake in Timothy's life? Therefore, Timothy, don't be ashamed of what? This was a crisis. And beyond that, he was flagging in a desire for his own calling due to the real suffering and perhaps his personality, his over-introspection. The reality of what was true in Paul's life at this time. Timothy was tearful, timid, and taxed. Now maybe dads are out there saying, saying, oh, just get over it. Moms are out there saying, oh no. Oh no, what can we do? Paul calls on Timothy's mom and grandma's Grandmom to minister to young Timothy in this critical time in his life. First of all, this morning our text indicates that Timothy was tearful. He was thoughtfully tearful. We see that in verse number four. Longing to see you, Paul says to Timothy, even as I recall your tears, that I may be filled with joy. What is this tearing of Timothy? Well, this tearing of Timothy was, as Paul recollected, when they departed from one another. Timothy went off to Ephesus to pastor the church there. And Timothy was tearful in that goodbye. He didn't view the Apostle Paul just sort of as another man in his life. But there was something special that had developed between these two. He was tearful. And even the, by the, our text tells us that if Paul could once again get with Timothy personally, that's really what's going on here. He longs to be back in Timothy's presence, that that event would bring great joy to Timothy. You know, gals, this speaks to the, your desire that your children be spiritually attractive. 
Isn't it a great joy when a man of God comes up to you and says, your son, your daughter, is a source of joy in my life? Amen. Don't you go, yes, that's a miracle, but yes. <laughs> Moms, you do. You want your children to be spiritually attractive, don't you? Somehow Timothy had figured out how to be spiritually attractive. He learned that, well, let me just get to my notes or we'll be here forever. <laughs> so what are Paul's circumstances? They had changed since the writing of 2 Timothy. Timothy uh, Paul now was in prison. He was awaiting trial. This trial we know would lead to his execution, his martyrdom. This is a final word to Timothy. Paul realized that he would no longer be around for Timothy, and he would no longer be around to enjoy Timothy's company. Timothy's sensitivity and love for Paul was apparent upon their previous departure from one another. Timothy was moved to tears, and Paul now longed for Timothy to come to him so that in that coming he could be filled with joy. Question. What enabled Timothy to be the source of joy for a man who was about ready to give his life for the cause of Christ? What moved Timothy to so miss a godly spiritual man? According to our passage, it was a sincere faith. It was a sincere faith. It was a faith that first was found in Timothy's grandmother and in his mother. Timothy was taught by that sincere faith where to identify the true heroes in life. Moms, you can train your children who to view as heroic, who to view as someone who's worthy weeping over when you are no longer in their presence. Isn't that amazing? You know, if Timothy were alive today, I, I, I doubt he would have wept a whole lot when LeBron James announced he was taking his skills to South Beach. I don't think that would have racked him very much. But it would have been racked as we laid to rest Bob Potter and uh, Ed Teske, Ralph. And he would have known to do that because of mom. Because of mom. Because mom taught him what to do when he came to church. He pointed, she pointed her affections along with grandma to who was really worthy of being a hero. Mom did that. Yeah, when other people were gossiping about Pastor Bob and, you know, or Ed or Ralph, Mom would stop that. No, son, they're the heroes. They're not perfect like me, but they love Jesus. Amen. And they are the heroes. Mom, sincere faith does that. And that's amazing. 
You know, so moms, what truly enables children to be this kind of a blessing to those who lead? What can you do for your children to encourage them to be attractive spiritually? What makes them to be sought out and to stand out in the crowd of the company of God's people? What enables their presence to be such a source of joy to the elect? It is sincere faith. A sincere faith that they saw modeled in your life. And moms, you are greatly advantaged. Obviously, when you had it and enjoyed it modeled in the life of your mom. Moms, I know you lay awake at night concerned, worried about your children, worried about their futures. You're worried about your own life and its influence on those kids, your parenting techniques and the influence, negative influence that maybe some of those things will have in, in less than stellar moments. Be all that as it may, Mom, but know this morning the greatest gift, the most significant gift you can give to your children is not perfect parenting. Nor is it a perfect life. The greatest legacy is a faith that is rich and relational in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that is independent of everything else. This is the greatest gift you can give. Modeling daily for your children the disciplines that cultivate sincerity in your faith, reading your Bible, praying, loving Jesus, worshiping. These are the things. This makes you so attractive and sought out in the church, and you guess what's going to happen? It's going to make your children and grandchildren very attractive too when they model it. So not only did uh, Lois and Eunice, sincere faith, model before Timothy, aid him and being a spiritually attractive young man uh, by teaching him what truly to be tearful over, what truly to view as heroic. Secondly, Eunice and Lois's sincere faith was a frame of reference that helped Timothy combat his own timidity. We pick this up in verse 5. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which, was for, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And Timothy, oh, by the way, I am sure that it's in you as well. So why would Paul think it important enough to assure Timothy that he had a sincere faith in him? Moms, this speaks to your desire that your children do not languish long in the question of assurance of their salvation. Right? You don't want them to go through long periods of depression and difficulty, wondering, man, am I truly born again or not? Right? You don't want them to have that identity crisis. Of all the identity crises that exist out there, that is the most significant of them all. That has issues not only in time, but transcends time into all eternity. Right? That one's critical. So like many of us, Timothy wrestled with assurance of salvation. 
We wonder if the faith we have is true saving faith. Well, why did Timothy maybe wonder? Why, why, what could we extrapolate from the text? Well, for the same reasons we are. Timothy lived in a world that had many options when it came to faith. The Greeks loved hearing new things. They loved it. You know, Timothy came from a, probably a Gentile father and a Jewish mother. His dad loved to hear new things. This was part of his genetic makeup. He loved to hear different philosophies and ideas about what he should believe in and hold. And these sort of captured him a little bit and washed over him. There were tons of options. Are there tons of options today? There sure are. How do I know if I have the right one? Just like Timothy. Timothy was suffering for his faith. It wasn't popular. In fact, the guy who he originally heard faith from was in prison about to be beheaded. Man, I want to run from this faith. I don't want to embrace it. Temptation was to be extremely timid about his own faith. And as verse 8 indicates, and at times even be ashamed of the gospel. And as Paul says, ashamed of those who brought him the gospel. So what does Paul reference to assure Timothy that the faith he had was the right one? And his sincerity in buying all into it was the right thing to do. Who does he reference? The Apostle John. Jesus, Moses, Abraham. No. He references you, Linda. He references you. Chrissy, I don't see Chrissy, I see Mike. But if Chrissy was in here. He references Euodia, I mean uh, Lois and Eunice. Timothy, the very faith, and what's true about when we reflect upon the faith of our moms, it is absolutely undeniable. For those of us who grew up with a godly mom, absolutely undeniable when they had a sincere faith. You know, it just was rock solid, man. You know, you, you, you can wallow around in your timidity all you want, Timothy, but no, you've got the same faith that your mother and grandmother did. It's time to get up, buddy. <laughs> Those women never sat around wallowing much. They didn't have time for that. You know, and neither should you. Let's get back up on the horse, my friend. Grandma and mom, do you want to help steady your children or encourage them to make right conclusions when it comes to the greatest of all concerns, true saving faith? What will be most helpful then is their reflection on a sincere faith in you. You know, the Greek word for sincerity here kind of carries with it the idea of unhypocritical. Hypocrisy, moms... Grandmoms in your walk with God is the greatest enemy to motherhood or grandmotherhood. That's the worst. Now, we already mentioned that sincere faith helps us to admit when we're wrong. All right? that, 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 that's part of it. In fact, we said that's the genius of sincere faith. So we don't want to walk around long when we are, have sinned or in sin, either with our husband or with our children or with other relationships or duties that we quickly get those cared for. But the worst, the worst enemy of motherhood, at least in this text, is, is hypocritical and, and staying in those 
lanes for long periods of time. Um, so of all the millions of things that you do, and moms, do you do a million things? Yeah, you do. You're amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, just your energy. And when it comes to children and so many other things that relate to nurturing, whatever you do, don't forget to read your Bible and pray on a consistent basis. There it is. That's the simple application in a meaningful way. Do that. Do that. Don't forget to work hard by faith at, a, at biblical change when it's necessary. This is sincere faith. Sincere faith isn't evidenced when everything's going well. Sincere faith is when things aren't going too well and we need to confess and forsake and do some different things. Don't forget to work hard by faith at that. Be a woman of faith, whether you think you are, a, whether you think you are being a good mother or not. I don't think I've met today, yeah, I'm the best mother there ever was. Every mom I meet seems to have this part of their heart that's just overcome. And they're, they're always wondering about if they should have done things differently. And, oh, if they just would have, then the kids would have. That's just not in this text. And honestly, it's not anywhere in the Scriptures. Remember, the kids have their own sin nature. <laughs> You know, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're tied to your apron strings, but they're not tied that tight. <laughs> you know, uh, they're making choices of their own. So be a woman of faith, whether you think you're a good mother or not. This is the stuff that potentially will rescue your children, potentially, from their inevitable crisis of faith. Your sincere faith will foster proper spiritual tears in your child. Your sincere faith will minister to your child when they are timid concerning their own faith. And finally this morning, a rich, sincere faith will encourage children to spiritually keep on keeping on when they're taxed. When they're taxed. Tearful. Timid. Taxed. A sincere faith. Your sincere faith, mom, grandma, will minister. This is verse 6. I remind you, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God. Now, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, well, what is this reason, right? Um, for this reason, it's a pronoun. I'll just give you gals. I know you love this on Mother's Day, but this is a pronoun construction in Greek. There you go. There you go. You love Greek, some of you moms, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and in English, pronoun reference can be a bit tricky. Greek, however, has a wonderful advantage. A pronoun's referent will be matched up in the grammatical gender and number. Uh, so that's a beautiful thing. And the grammatical gender and number points us to what this reason is. And guess what it is? It's found in verse number five. Sincere faith. This is profound. Um, not only does Lois and Eunice's sincere faith influence Timothy's past growth and present well-being, it also presses him on to persevere and grow in the future. It witnesses against quitting and being spiritually lazy. When nobody else was around and Timothy was getting spiritually 
kind of, oh, my gift, it's not as good as so-and-so's, and I really just don't need to practice it, and I don't need to really get after it. The witness of Lois's and Eunice's sincere faith is a, lie, a lived out reason to get up and keep moving. Isn't that amazing? This isn't the Holy Spirit. Well, it was giving Lois and Eunice the sincere faith to begin with. But this is amazing. Paul is telling Timothy, it is for the sincere faith of your mom and dad, which I'm sure, are you not your dad, your mom and grandma, which I'm sure is in you, it is for this reason that you need to stir up your gift and get back at energetically encouraging the church in Ephesus to be the pastor teacher that God meant you to be. This is amazing to me. It's amazing. Moms, grandmas, I know one of the greatest concerns you have for your kids is what in the world will they do when they get out there into the world? The world is a dog-eat-dog place. And they're going to feel low and defeated. You know, they're so gifted and talented and can do so much and so much for the Lord. Will your child grow lazy and give up? What can you do? The Holy Spirit encourages you to pursue your walk with God. That's ironic, isn't it? That's not our knee-jerk reaction. But that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying here. That doesn't mean you don't do anything else, but you pursue. You locate in your relationship with Jesus Christ. All those emotions... That would unramp it and control your heart and cause you to have a miserable life. No, you deposit those in Christ. Pursue your walk with God. To be a woman filled with the Spirit, a woman who knows her God and is strong in the Lord, a woman of the Word and prayer, a woman who is humble and quick to seek forgiveness with God, a contrition with those in her life. This reality, your children will never be able to deny and will stand as a powerful witness to them. A witness that pushes through all the years of your motherhood, long into the years of grandmotherhood and even beyond. Your influence will remain in the heart and life of your children. So sincere faith, when it is found in the memory of a mother, is a powerful inducement to perseverance in the children. Your children are going to be tearful over your thing, things. Just mark that down. And we want them to be tearful over the right things, right? Yes? Amen? Okay. They're going to be very timid at times. They're, they're going to wonder about, good gracious, you know, does Jesus really know me? Am I really born again? It's your sincere faith. That will be an encouragement to them. They're going to be taxed. Have you ever been taxed, Mom? Dads? you think it's going to be any different for them? Do you? Sure not. So what, 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 what will they be able to reflect on? Well, today, going forward, they're going to reflect on a group of women who have a sincere faith. Right, gals? Because we have been taught this morning from the Word of God 
That's a powerful inducement. Not my parenting techniques. Not my ability to give them everything they want. Not my ability to you fill in the blank. Now, those things are all have their place. But they certainly don't have the pride of place. The chief place. Of all the things with reference of a grandmother or mother to their children, Paul could have said, he highlights this one important quality. Moms, there is no greater quality or memory that must linger in the minds of your children than that of a sincere faith. Sure, it's nice to leave a legacy memory that you're a good cook, a great homemaker, or always had time and seemed to have all the answers. Those things are good. But there is only one trait concerning mom or grandma that ministers in the time of personal crisis to your child or witnesses to them, testifies to them in a way that they cannot deny. A time when the real matters of life hang in the balance, matters of their spiritual attractiveness, matters of their assurance of salvation, matters of their perseverance in the faith. You know, I have a mom just like Eunice, a mom whose faith was sincere. Now I'm gonna, I might start getting a little weepy here. So sincere that when her mind dimmed with dementia, she could still sing songs of Jesus. It's like, it's like out of the, the, the dark, darkest point of the pre-dawn morning, boom, out would come the songs of Jesus in a mind that could, couldn't even talk anymore. And she would, she would stumble through these things. She taught me how to worship Jesus. She taught me what worshiping Jesus looked like. She wasn't perfect, but I knew worshiping Jesus and the beauty of holiness burned in her heart. She taught me to bring my Bible when I worshiped. She taught me to sing... With all my heart in worship, she taught me to sit. <laughs> she taught me to sit still and listen, <laughs> to take notes in my Bible, so I would not forget. She taught me how to dress appropriately when I went to church and looked my best for Jesus. She taught me that Jesus must have all of me, not just what I do on Sunday. She taught me to love my pastors. And love those teachers who minister to me. These should be my heroes. Amen. She is with Jesus now. And I wonder, I wonder when I go to see Jesus, if she is going to be the one to teach me how to worship Jesus in heaven when faith is no longer germane. Because faith has become sight in heaven. I could just see her. Don't do that in heaven. We don't do that. <laughs> okay, Mom. You know, or that little pinch, or that pull. It's not appropriate here, Kent. You know, you don't have to quote Bible verses. or what, I don't know what it's going to be. But she just might be the person in charge of my heavenly orientation. Because she was the person in charge of my earthly orientation to Jesus. Amen. This is amazing to me. I'll give you an example. So here, here's... Uh, you know, my mom was a tough, tough woman. 
And you know that part about perseverance, kind of getting up and moving? So I decided when I was a senior that the verse, uh, my life verse, would be uh, Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So she gave me this, you know. And notice it doesn't say, it's not a picture of somebody sitting in an easy chair. That's what I want. You know, I just want to sit back, relax. There's no golf clubs. You know, there's no... um, there's no sunny Florida. You know, it's this eagle struggling to ascend. And, uh, and she would never let me not ascend. And her witness uh, won't let me either. So what can you do, mom, grandmom? Uh, when, you, when your conscience and heart is wrung out over your kiddos, and I know I rang my mom's all the time. Just walk with God. Pursue and grow your faith in all sincerity. Sincerity or sincere faith, when it is found in the memory of a mother, is a powerful inducement or encouragement for perseverance in children. Let's bow for a word of prayer.